It is Wednesday, September 29th. This is the KOLL Week 3 Review Show. Welcome into the podcast. This is the KOLL. My name is Stefan Siggs. This is your week three review show. If you can't tell, it's the changing of the season. seasons. I'm a little congested, a little stuffy. The allergies are running wild. So I'm going to get through this podcast the best I can. And I apologize for any strange noises you might hear coming from me throughout the course of this recording. The first thing we are going to do right now is we're going to kick it over to a Week three breakdown with myself, Stefan Siggs, and a new fantasy analyst joining the team. It's Tony Romo Arigato, Mr. Roboto. Take it away, gentlemen. All right, and welcome into the podcast, a top 12 expert in the KOLL. This is Tony, <laughs> Ro- Tony Romo Arigato, Mr. Roboto. Welcome to the podcast, Tony. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I appreciate being ranked in the top 12. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way, uh, but but I appreciate it. Getting some votes in that top 12. Well, if we're getting specific, if we're getting specific, the number 11 expert in the KOLL. This is <laughs> this is Tony Romo Arigato, Mr. Roboto. So first of all, I mean we've been playing for a long time and something crazy that's been going on in our league listen to these statistics really quick and i want to hear your take on it in this league we have seen 24 trades 56 players and 29 draft picks have been moved already through three weeks this season is this something that we can see going forward? Is this just the group that we have? Is this the dynasty setting? Is it the the build of this league with the super, super duper flex? That's what I'm calling it. What is your take on the amount of trades we've seen so far this year? Well, I think it's a combination of, of both. I think it's the way the league's set up where, like you said, you have the flex. I think it's that long-term aspect with the picks and the dynasty where – you know, I think you see the people that are aggressively trying to make trades are either at the tippy top trying to win or the people at the bottom. I think there's there's like maybe six, seven guys in the middle. They want to only want to make a trade probably if it's something that's really going to help them now, but they're not really active. And then you see the two teams at the bottom that are trading picks all over the place. And then you see the two or three teams at the top that are trying to get that guy that, that can put them over the top. So I think there's a little bit of everything that's creating this situation, but it's also the group. I think there's a group that are probably checking the app like three times a day to see if there's a, a trade or an adjustment that they can make to, to help on Sunday. Building a great group is a, a key foundation for a good fantasy league, and I believe we got a good group here. should last for a long time. But here, let's get into KOLL's Week 3 action. Uh, we're going to start it off with a 
a game you had a little bit of stake in. Nick Top, Greg Bottom defeats the Melonheads 181.38 to 109.24. Um, one thing I want to note with this game is Najee Harris seeing 19 targets. 19 targets, Tony, for Najee Harris this week. Um, I know there's some injuries with the Pittsburgh receivers. If those guys end up missing some time, do you see Najee Harrising this kind of target volume going forward? Mind you, Chase Claypool also saw 15 targets in this game. It's, it's really interesting with the Steelers. I made a couple notes in every game that includes important Steelers players that I just don't know what's happening there. Roethlisberger, I mean, he looks awful, and he's he's old, but he looks terrible. And if I was somebody that had a receiver that was a Steeler, I don't think I would be super comfortable right now because you just don't know what he's going to do week in and week out. And it's possible because of that that Ben's going to start to try to check down the Najee Harris, and maybe he's going to get – get those targets but I also think on the other side of things with Najee Harris it's going to be tough because if the Steelers can't throw the ball throw the ball well is he going to be able to run the ball well which even though he's getting the targets in the past he's still running back and he's going to need to successfully run the ball to be able to get points week in and week out he certainly has not been effective so far on his rookie campaign as a runner, but if he can see 14 catches on 19 targets, you'll be happy to play Najee Harris any given week. One more guy I want to bring up here for Nick Top, Greg Bottom, is Cooper Cup. This guy's been incredible so far this season. Is there any slowing down Cooper Cup in this Sean McVay offense with a quarterback like Matt Stafford? I think it's clear who Matthew Stafford's main target is right now. Uh, it'll be interesting to see as the season goes on if he starts to get maybe some double coverage or starts to get more pressure. People start to identify him as the number one target in that offense. But right now, I'm not seeing I'm not seeing it stop, uh, especially against the Buccaneers defense. It had a really good year last year. A couple couple good games to start the year. They did give up a lot of uh, 29 to Dallas, but uh, for Cuff to be able to do this three straight weeks is pretty impressive. I don't see it stopping right now. It is very impressive, and fortunately for the Rams, if you slow down Cooper Cup, you still got Bobby Bosque on the other side, Bobby Woods, um, who, who's ready to break out, hasn't gotten it done yet this year. But, I mean, Cooper Cup's getting all the yards and the touchdowns. If if uh, teams start keying on him, we could see a, uh, some big weeks from Bobby Bosque going forward. Okay, next matchup, number one in the power rankings, the longest yard, wins again this week, defeating Austin 316, 143.6 to 127.78. Something interesting that I'd like to note, I'd like to call out both of these owners really quick because they each started a player who did not play this week and that that rubs a certain commissioner a little bit wrong way you know what i mean i mean i know that maybe they were late scratches but i mean we want to see lineups with active players that's for sure so a little asterisk on this game how do you feel about the fact that they started players who didn't play that was the first note that i had listed that both teams you know obviously uh longest yard won but uh, Austin 316 in a position to win the game if they would have realized that. That's a tough one uh, for them. Longest yard got lucky there. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was interesting though. You know, I don't hate 
the Austin 316 team, but right now for them is, is tough. I think it's kind of holding them back. There's a lot of guys in the middle that, that but you know, he put he had Bridgewater in there, and uh, he's just not number one right now. And, and Hill is kind of in that same boat where I'm not sure if he's the Tannehill we've seen in years past or if he's the guy that, that was in Miami. Yeah, unfortunately for Tannehill, I mean, you can't put all the blame on Tannehill just from what I've seen from A.J. Brown has been probably the biggest disappointment in fantasy football so far this year um, between the injury and the drop sees he had last week. Um, you know, Tannehill needs his receivers to catch the ball, except especially an elite talent like A.J. Brown. You got to catch the ball for your quarterback. Um, I have high hopes for Tannehill going forward, but for the longest yard, obviously with the Brady and Stafford at quarterback, he just continually putting 30 points between both his quarterbacks every single week. That's tough to compete with um, on any given week especially considering how deep and solid his starting lineup is. Um, not too much yeah, more to talk I, about there. Yeah, I made a note about it Brown as well because uh, I believe Austin 316 has that stack, which is when he's struggling as well, that, that makes it tough. So you got Tannehill and Brown that are, that are kind of struggling early on, and uh, that's kind of bringing them down at the moment. Yeah, a couple of bright spots for Austin 316. Adam Thielen continues to find the end zone at high rate. Um, he's just a touchdown machine. You keep you keep waiting for the Thielen uh, wall to hit for him to slow down, and he keeps on finding the end zone. Kareem Hunt finally had a, a good game this week, breaking out a little bit, and George Kittle getting off of his rocker a little bit and uh, putting in a good game this week for Austin 316. Unfortunately, it was not enough in the end. Uh, and, the, and the Josh Jacobs injury hurts him a little bit as well. I mean, Jacobs is a guy you think is going to get 13 to 15 points a game, maybe more if he gets a couple more carries. He's out. That hurts a little bit. Since you mentioned him, I'm going to bring up a guy who's not currently on a roster, a guy who who is on waivers as we speak, who took Josh Jacobs' place this week. What the hell was that from Peyton Barber? A guy who was left for dead several times shows up out of nowhere for the Raiders and goes for 113 yards and a touchdown. Do you believe this is a Raider system situation or the reemergence of Peyton Barber as an NFL running back? It's really interesting right now with the Raiders. I feel like I was thinking about this too with some of the Cardinals players, where I feel like those are two teams that always get out. September, you don't want to face the Raiders and you don't want to face. And it'll be interesting to see how the season goes if that's the same way, if their players can can hold up. The Raiders are playing really well offensively. They've got a lot of weapons, which I think opens the door for a guy like Barber to have a big game. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see if it carries on. As far as Barber himself, I don't think it's going to carry on because I think as soon as Josh Jacobs comes back, he's going to be the guy. Kenyon Drake's there. I don't see Barber consistently getting that many touches, but, but I think as a Raiders team as a whole, it'll be interesting to see if these players are still making as big of an impact when you talk, go into November and December. Yeah, they have been a solid team so far this year. Unfortunately, they did cost me about $248 by not covering a four-point spread. <laughs> um, that's besides the point. The Raiders as a team are surely getting it done so far this year. Let's move on down to the biggest blowout. Uh, it, 
it wasn't the biggest blowout, I guess, technically, but the Oracle scores 59 points and loses to the Etlians, who scored 127.22. Not too much to talk about the Oracle other than, I mean, Zach Wilson, negative points for the second week in a row. Justin Fields looked absolutely dreadful. And the only player for the Oracle who scored double digits was Brandon Ayuk who was absolutely non-existent through the first two weeks. Is there any bright spot going forward this season for the Oracle? It's, it's hard to really come, come to one this season. I think it's going to be hard to see the Oracle win a game, to be completely honest. But I think that's part of the point. Um, you know, going into the next few years, you got Lance, you got Fields, you got uh, Zach Wilson. Uh, ETN coming back next year, uh, and a couple of the receivers that he has that that I think uh, are going to help him going forward. But it's tough to see, it, especially when you see Fields on Sunday. And I think there were a lot of people that were excited to see what he was going to do, and he did absolutely nothing. I don't think you're going to see a big year from Fields. I think he's going to maybe year two, year three guy that's going to start to pick it up. So it's hard to find a real bright spot. When he yeah. Comes. I really expected Justin Fields to grab a hold of the job this week and not not concede it back to Andy Dalton, but after being sacked nine times by Cleveland on Sunday, um, yeah. I'm sure they're about ready to get him out of there. That's for sure. And I think that Chicago is about ready to get rid of Matt Nagy. Um, I think yeah, I think I his tenure is coming to an end. I agree. I, which is kind of impressive when you think about a guy that's been in the playoffs, but just the mess of a quarterback situation. Two guys now that have been drafted early on. Trubisky's obviously gone. Fields is – it's concerning. I mean, if I was a Bears fan and if I was the Oracle, I'd be a little concerned that, you know, sometimes with these young quarterbacks, you get off to a bad start. You look like a guy like Darnold. Now he's found a good situation. But before these last three games that he's had with the Panthers, people kind of wrote him off. You look at Josh Rose in the same way. And it's concerning when you get a young guy in a bad situation – and, you know, if these are if these sort of bad performances get ingrained in you and it kind of ruins a career, unfortunately. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, hey, bad coaching can do that. You know, a, a good coach, you mentioned Sam Darnold. He got away from Adam Gase and now he's in Carolina with Matt Rule, who appears to be a really good NFL football coach. And he's thriving down there in Carolina. So, you know, Justin Fields, it, it may be time for a new coach there in Chicago and hopefully he can get Justin Fields going in the right direction. Um, the Etlians. Obviously, you know, the bye week this week with the Oracle, but they did get 22.7 from Austin Eckler, 20.5 from Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts seems to have a pretty solid baseline with his rushing effort, and he really does push the ball down the field. He, was, he made some mistakes, obviously, this week and, and every week, I suppose, but he is definitely the type of quarterback who, who likes to push the ball down the field, um, gets a lot of air yards, and that rushing attack – Gives Jalen Hurts a pretty solid baseline. Do you think, though, however, while Jalen Hurts is a good fantasy quarterback, do you look at Jalen Hurts as a good professional quarterback? No, I would be very, I'm very concerned with Jalen Hurts as an NFL quarterback. I, I, I mean, to me, when you look at his career, he had one really good year with a guy that I think can turn a lot of people into really good quarterbacks in Lincoln Riley. He's done it time and again. 
and and some of the throws from Hurts yesterday, some of the reactions against the Cowboys defense that not a lot of people have a lot of respect for. And he really looked like a deer in headlights at times. And I was expecting a, a big game from him. And and he just he didn't have it. And it's hard, you know, back a couple in the past previous years with when kind of that built-in excuse that, okay, well, he doesn't have the targets. And now you're looking at a team that has Devontae Smith, that has Jalen Rager, that has Miles Sanders, that has Kenneth Gainwell, that ha- I mean, there are guys on this team that can perform, and there really is no reason that he should be deer in the headlights, looking his first read and then running. I, I'm not a believer in Jalen Hurts. I was not a believer in Jalen Hurts at Alabama, and then he went to Oklahoma and he did something different that he wasn't doing at Alabama, and it 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 translated into him getting, you know, picked in the second round and obviously making a good deal of money. But I agree with you. I do not believe Jalen Hurts is a franchise quarterback in the NFL. Um, that's neither here thing, nor there. The one thing some- I would like to say though about the Atlantis is the one the one concerning thing I'm a big fan of their skill position players but even more than Jalen Hurts yesterday I would be concerned with Miles Sanders three rushes yesterday oh yeah would have yep. me very concerned because that to me is a main piece of the Atlians off of the Atlians lineup and if he's not getting touches and he's just relying on passes that's that's really concerning because that's a that's a main guy that you really want to have be getting you 15, 16, or more points a game. The eight points, if that's something going forward with the Eagles offense, is really concerning. Yeah, that was very shocking to see that low volume for Miles Sanders. Um, The game script wasn't even that bad for the majority of the game. I know the Cowboys did pull away. But for the majority of the game, the game script wasn't too bad, and you would expect Miles Sanders to be the focal point of the offense. That's only going to open things up for Jalen Hurts to take those shots down the field. So it was very shocking. I agree with you on Miles Sanders. Um, Very concerning. Especially with – you know, the Cowboys actually had four defensive linemen out, four of their, I think it was like two starters, two guys in the mix. So I was expecting him to have a huge game. And then to see them only give them, give Sanders the ball three times was, was shocking. And it, it makes you wonder what the game plan is going forward when you start to face uh, defensive fronts that are a lot better than what the Cowboys were able to put on the field yesterday. Absolutely. Next game. Um, in the KOLL, the highest scoring game of the week. A lot of firepower in this one. Forever on clean is the hurt, the third highest scoring team on the week, and they fall to the DeLongles. 197 to 173 for the DeLongles. Josh Allen, the stallion, gets after it this week. Saquon Barkley finally sees the end zone. Devontae Adams, James Robinson's getting the ball. Wow, the DeLongles look really good heading into the rest of the season after this week and last week's performances. Um, Let's start with Josh Allen. Obviously, the Bills, they throw the ball a ton um, something interesting I wanted to know, obviously Emmanuel Sanders was the one who had the big game. Josh Allen put up 45 points and Stefan Diggs hasn't even really been the big contributor in the passing game. Um, obviously I have a little bit of stake in Stefan Diggs, but is Josh Allen really this good? 
I'm I'm a believer, especially after last week, or especially after yesterday or Sunday against a Washington defense that I have a lot of respect for, and he dominated them. Uh, they could not stop anything the Bills were doing. He was getting everyone involved. Like you said, it wasn't like he was just relying on uh, Stephen Diggs. He was using Beasley. He was using Singletary. He was using Moss. He was using Knox. Uh, Sanders was the was the big contributor. So. He's getting the ball around. It's not just a one-dimensional offense. He can run. He can pass. It's I'm a believer. I think he's the best quarterback in the AFC East, and he's one of the best quarter. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the AFC, uh, in my mind. Absolutely. I I think I think we can stretch that all the way to the NFL. I'd put him in the top Absolutely, five. Yeah. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Completely agree. Okay, Saquon Barkley saw an uptick in touches this week, found the end zone. Is it, Are we starting to see glimpses of the old Saquon Barkley uh, moving forward this year? I think so. I think the biggest problem with Barkley is just going to be what this Giants offense does as a whole. I mean, they looked pretty bad against uh, – uh, defense that really hasn't been able to stop anybody so I think you're starting to see Barkley come back but it's whether they can give them the ball and whether or not they can be two-dimensional can Daniel Jones produce so that Bar- so that Barkley can get those situations where he can take advantage of it I think that's what you see with Zeke where you know Zeke gets a bad rap about being washed and then you see what happens when his quarterback goes out and plays the way he does and he's he's got you know the pass game's perfect and he can go out there and and uh, break holes because defense has to respect the pass right now i don't think people respect daniel jones and and that's part of the reason that barkley's having trouble breaking out absolutely they are going to be missing a couple of wide receivers um at least for this week so saquon barkley it's time to see him catching some more passes that's you know saquon's a very good running back but the passing game work is really where he makes his bread and i'd love to see saquon see more targets going forward um Devonte adams just did Devonte adams things um not too much to talk about there he's clearly the number one target in green bay he's going to see a bunch of targets and james robinson after that first that week one debacle seems to be taking a stranglehold on the jaguars uh backfield and had a great game this week um do you think james robinson is it, where would you rank him for the rest of this season? Are we talking? Uh, is he back into the high, the low end RB one conversation? High end RB two? Is he low end RB two? Where do you think James Robinson is at think, this year? I would have him low end RB one, high end RB two. I think he's in a great situation to to be the main guy to be getting the main touches. I think as a long term, it'll be interesting because they drafted ETN in the first round. So to see how that breakdown kind of works when they're both healthy and both on the field but as for this year i think he's a great option uh and i have him slated right in that rb1 you know low end rb1 high end rb2 um and to go back to Devonte adams too since you touched on him i think if you have Devonte adams if you're the longles you got to be feeling happy for one reason and that is it looks like aaron Rodgers actually wants to win a couple football games this year it was a little questionable mm-hmm. the first week but now that you see a motivated Aaron Rodgers, you got to be feeling great having Devontae Adams. Absolutely. Josh Allen and Devontae Adams could be could be 70 points between the two of them every week. Forever on clean gets 38 points from Justin Herbert. Um, he looks absolutely 
fantastic again just his second year in the league and we're going to touch on this guy a little bit later but his connection with mike williams seems to be elite is this a top end stack in the nfl this season i I think so i'm a big believer in the in the chargers team i think the chargers really have a good chance the afc west is seems to be a pretty tough division after the first three weeks but I think they have a great chance of making the playoffs, and I think that uh, Herbert and Williams are going to be a main reason why. I think Herbert's Herbert's legit. I think he, you know, in a, in a year or two, we could be talking about another guy that could be a, a top five, top ten quarterback with the way he can run and pass, uh, and he's in a good system with some good guys around him. Absolutely high hopes for Justin Herbert going forward. DK Metcalf goes for 22.7 points. A slow week for Tyler Lockett usually means a good week for DK Metcalf, and that's what we had this week. Um, in in a, a game where the Seahawks really disappointed in their matchup against the Vikings, Clay, uh, uh, DK had a big game. Agreed. Agreed. And I'll say, I think the biggest, uh, forever unclean, the biggest thing for them, one of the biggest things for them right now, is the performance of Baker Mayfield. I mean, to me, he should be a guy that's putting up at a minimum low t- low 20s to high 20s. I mean, number one pick in an offense that has Hunt, that has Chubb, that has Odell now, that has Landry, um, a lot of good guys around him. And to be putting up around, you know, under 20, 18 points, I think, this week, I don't think that's the first time he's done that this season. That, to me, would be a little concerning. I think going forward, that's a guy that, that they need to be expecting to, to get some more points uh, to really help win some games. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough for Baker because he has two of the uh, arguably two of the best five runners of the football in Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb on his team. They are clearly run first, but I agree with you. Um, Baker Mayfield has certainly outplayed what I expected him to to do in the NFL. He's proven that he is franchise caliber as a quarterback, but I agree. It's time for him to take that next step forward and prove that Cleveland is a Super Bowl contender. Forever on clean, Chase Claypool, we already mentioned him earlier, 15 targets this week. And if those receivers do miss this week and, uh, and going forward, Claypool – is going to continue to see those targets. We mentioned Najee Harris with the 19 targets earlier. I don't know if he's going to keep that pace up, but Claypool, if he's the only receiver in town, could continue to see 15 targets a week. Do you agree with that? I agree. I agree. Like I said earlier, my biggest concern would be the performance of Roethlisberger, but Claypool's going to get a lot of targets. He's a he's a really good wide receiver. Uh, he's going to get his targets. He's going to get his looks, and and he'll he'll score points. Absolutely. Okay, what was our matchup of the week this week? Devontae's Inferno defeats the Thick Dicks 145 to 138. For Devontae's Inferno, a little bit lower of a score total this week from what we're used to, but Jamar Chase 22.5. I've already said my apologies to Jamar Chase. Um, he, he's proved me wrong time and again, and he does it again this week with a huge game in the absence of T. Higgins. Um, where were you at with Jamar Chase before this season started and where are you at now? I I was, to me, it was an interesting situation just because of Joe Burrow. I, I was confident in him because of that. I thought it was, I think it's really helpful when you have that relationship. It's a relationship you really don't see very often in the NFL when you have 
two guys from college that are coming and playing together uh, in the NFL. But I was confident, but he's done better than I thought, uh, if that makes even though I was confident in him, I, I wasn't expecting what he's done so far. And I think that it's a, they're building some really good chemistry there in, in Cincinnati. I think it's definitely a team of the future. Absolutely. We're going to get to see them on, on national television on Thursday night. Um, the last two number one picks get to play each other Thursday night this week. I'm putting $82 on the Jaguars. What do you think? <laughs> well, I don't. that's a bold move, but uh, <laughs> I think – I don't think I would put $82 on the Jaguars, but uh, I respect the optimism there and the, the confidence. All right, back to Devontae's Inferno. Kirk, <laughs> Cousins. Kirk Cousins goes for 30 points. Kirk Cousins is in the top five so far this year as a quarterback. He, I, If memory serves me correctly, I did not write the stat down, but I believe he has eight touchdowns and zero interceptions so far on the season and that's what the that's what the vikings need if they want to continue to play as well as they're playing um again beating seattle this week um kirk cousins i mean the targets there Thielen, jefferson kj osborne with the breakout tyler conklin had a good game this week the vikings seem to have a really good squad of skill position players do you buy the minnesota vikings as a playoff team this year that's tough. I, I don't think I buy them as a playoff team, but I think the Vikings could be a really good team. I think they're close. It's just going to come down to the, the offensive line. Are they able to run successfully week in and week out and then create the pass? I think and when you talk about those receivers, I mean, that's got to be a, a quarterback's dream. And then when you talk about having Cook as well, but it's the consistency of the line, I think that'll be a big thing. Um, easily, they could be a two and one team. Uh, they had that missed field goal against the Cardinals, but I think they're getting there. I think they're getting back to where they were a couple years ago as a really solid team. Yep. Um, I, it's time to see a Don Zimmer defense play a whole lot better than they have. Uh, again, a good week this week against Seattle, shutting them down. For the Thick Dicks, they lose Christian McCaffrey, who they just acquired in a trade. Um, not sure on the timetable for his return, um, but that's a big blow for the Thick Dicks after just trading for him just this past week. Um, that could have been the difference in the, in the matchup this week, only getting six points from Christian McCaffrey. Um, what's the outlook on the Thick Dicks if Christian McCaffrey does miss extended time? I would be. I'm concerned about him with uh, with McCaffrey out. I mean, with making that trade to get him, they gave up a lot, whether it be future picks, whether it be uh, players, and it was building the team around McCaffrey. If he's gone, I'm not sure going forward uh, how successful they can be. Um, but they're really going to need a lot from uh, Rodgers and Jackson. I mean, that's going to be the big thing for them. If Rodgers can be the guy that he was Sunday, I think that they they can possibly withstand the loss of McCaffrey and then Lamar Jackson. Because Jackson can run, you know, potentially score a couple touchdowns on his legs the next couple weeks, uh, that can really help make up the make up for the loss of McCaffrey. Absolutely. Two guys that are going to help make up for the loss of McCaffrey. I call them the two X factors for the thick dicks is DJ Moore, who had six catches for 100 yards and a touchdown in the first quarter on Thursday night. Um, I believe he finished with 126 yards and that touchdown. DJ Moore has been incredible this year with Sam Darnold. Is this do you believe that this type of volume is going to keep up for DJ Moore um, going forward, especially if Christian McCaffrey is out? 
I think so. I'm a big fan of DJ Moore. I think DJ Moore is going to be in the next probably two years. He's going to be one of the receivers in the NFL. I think he is really legit. I think he is as good, just about as good as anybody. And with going from, you know, Bridgewater and he might've played with Cam his last year, which wouldn't have been very good either to now have Sam Darnold, who looks like the guy we thought he was going to be coming out of USC. I think that's only going to help DJ Moore become a top 10 or, or better uh, wide receiver this year. Uh, and the other thing that I was, I wasn't thinking about in that last McCaffrey conversation was also the loss of uh, Henderson. You know, those are the top two running backs for the thick dicks, both of which were out that both of which are guys that are scoring you 15 to 20 points a game. Uh, that really hurt with the, uh, the overall total. Absolutely. Something I want to note about Sam Darnold, don't quote me on this either, but I believe that he is younger than Joe Burrow. I'm not sure. I think that's correct. That, that could be, that could be correct. But I think the interesting thing with bringing up Burrow is the fact that both of them, you know, Joe Brady was the offensive coordinator for LSU that helped get that offense to the next level and get Joe Burrow to become the number one pick. Now he's in Carolina with Sam Darnold and all of a sudden Sam Darnold looks like the Sam Darnold we thought he was going to be. So we talk about Justin Fields and we talk about Matt Nagy. If I was Chicago, I would be calling Joe, I would be calling Joe Brady and asking what can you do to make Justin Fields just like those guys. I think that is a great idea. Um, if you've listened to the podcast at all this season, you know how high I've been on the Carolina Panthers um, since the preseason, and they are doing a great job of proving me right so far this year. Um, one more note here for the Thick Dicks, um, a guy we've already brought up, but we're going to touch on a little bit more here, Mike Williams. It's It seems like he's changed his play style a little bit. He's had – the injuries in the past, which seemed to come a lot on plays where he jumped up to catch a ball and landed really, really hard. He doesn't seem to be doing that this year. He seems to be um, playing more of a possession role, um, seeing a lot of targets, seeing a lot of catches, a lot of yards. And man, can this guy find the end zone. Um, I know we've already talked about him a little bit, but has Mike Williams overtaken Keenan Allen as the number one option for the Chargers? It, it looks like he has right now. I, you know, I'm not sure if he's, it's not always about who's better. I think when it comes to wide receiver, I'm not sure if Mike Williams is better wide receiver than Keenan Allen, but a lot of times it comes down to who that quarterback's comfortable with. And when you look at the targets, Mike Williams and Justin Herbert have a good relationship right now. And they're finding each other. Uh, Herbert's finding Williams and he's finding him in the end zone. So as far as the Chargers are concerned, I think Williams is the number one guy. Absolutely. Those are two wide receivers who coming into this year have, have made a habit of disappointing fantasy owners. And it's about time we see the breakout from those two. I'm excited about it, even though they're not on my team um, anywhere, unfortunately. I uh, I was big on DJ Moore last year, very disappointed in him. So I didn't touch him this year, and I should have, obviously. All right. Our last matchup was our closest matchup. Who's Justice Beaver survives the Long Island Beast? 138 to 137. Um, 
not too many fantastic performances for Who's Justice Beaver. Just a solid, a solid line. Um, Antonio Gibson doesn't have a great game on the ground. Um, gets saved by the one catch for 73 yards that went for a touchdown. Scores 18 points. Um, just in uh, you, obviously, you know my opinion already. But in your opinion, in your professional opinion, is it time for the Washington football the football team to give the freak, the freaking ball to Antonio Gibson more? Yeah, I'm shocked by the amount of touches he's not getting, I should say, and, and the guys that are getting touches on that offense. I know you bring it. sometimes you bring in a, a new quarterback, and that can affect who he's comfortable throwing the ball with, but that's not really the problem here. They're not really running the ball with, with uh, Antonio Gibson, and, and it shocks me. And I think that they really need to go back to that, and I'm, sh- and I'm especially surprised with a Ron Rivera team that they're not trying to run the ball more. Uh, especially with Heineke, who I think has done a pretty good job. He may keep the job when all is said and done, but they seem to be throwing a lot and not giving the ball to their young running back, who I think is a future star and could help them win some of these some of these games. Yeah, man. I mean, Antonio Gibson was a wide receiver in college, so you would think that he would make his bread in the passing game. But while he's not seeing the target, the uh, the carries, the volume, he's also not seeing targets. It seems like J.D. McKissick is their passing running back, which makes no sense to me. Antonio Gibson, look what he did. He took a screen pass, 73 yards for a touchdown, and they didn't throw it to him a single time again for the rest of the game. And that's very disappointing. Um, he's a very good player, and I think Washington really needs to lean on him more for the rest of the season. Odell Beckham Jr. makes his season debut. These seven targets, only 13 fantasy points, but I'll, I'm going to be honest, that was more than I was expecting. It was um, everything I could have hoped for as the Odell Beckham Jr. owner. I made a trade for him on his uh, his high ceiling I was hoping for. Uh, he's a, so athletic and so talented. Um, injuries hurt him, but I have high hopes for Odell Beckham Jr., especially if Jarvis Landry is down for a while um do you think odell beckham obviously you've already talked about baker mayfield earlier and and hoping for his breakout i think the two probably go hand in hand huh i agree and it's been very odd uh you know if you would have asked me a couple years ago when odell was with the giants i think at times i would have said odell beckham jr was the best wide receiver in the nfl and you know the giants because of his I, i don't know attitude all kinds of stuff got rid of him then he was with the Browns that just seem like such a perfect situation and for whatever reason he and Baker can't get on the same page and I think it goes hand to hand like you said before we talked about earlier you know maybe Baker can get to the next level if he can create a relationship with Odell Beckham Jr. a guy that like you said is super athletic can catch just about anything a lot of times with one hand I mean he's an incredible wide receiver and you got Baker Mayfield who who they can't get on the same page. So I completely agree. I think that that's how Baker gets to the next level, creating a relationship with Odell Beckham Jr. Absolutely. Um, the Dak Prescott trade paid off for who's justice beaver this week and pushed him over the edge. Um, it would have been Mac Jones in that spot and who's justice beaver would have wound up losing this week. Um, did Dak Prescott move who's justice beaver up into the top tier in this league? For the rest of the season, I, I think so. I think so, and it's funny because originally we were going to do this call. We we're going to do the preview, and I was doing my review based just 
fixing my preview notes. And in my preview, I said it's going to come down to the to the Daniel Jones versus Dak Prescott matchup. I thought whichever quarterback played better was going to be the guy that was going to get their team over the top. And at the time, I wasn't sure. Daniel Jones was playing an Atlanta team that couldn't stop anybody. Dak was playing an Eagles team that looked like they had a good defense, but the complete opposite happened. Daniel Jones couldn't do anything. Dak Prescott was great, and and that was the story. And I completely agree. I think Dak Prescott right now looks like he's in the hunt for not only comeback player of the year, but he might be in the hunt for the MVP as well. I mean, he looks like a top-tier quarterback, and uh, I think that could be one of the keys to success for who's Justice Beer. I would like to note, and unfortunately I didn't have the podcast for proof, but before Dak Prescott got drafted, I really wanted the Jaguars to draft him. I thought coming out of college he was an absolute stud, and I thought the Cowboys got a steal when they drafted him, and he's proving me right there. Also, I love Dak Prescott and the Cowboys offense. Speaking of the Cowboys offense, the Long Island Beasts finally get the breakout. The number one running back on the week is Ezekiel Elliott. Um he, obviously, he's getting the he got some volume this this week. He saw a couple of touchdowns, um, but Tony Pollard is starting to really nip at his heels in terms of carries. Um, is this an outlier week for Ezekiel Elliott, or something we can expect to continue going forward? I'm I'm interested in how the offense will will gel together. Uh, I'm kind of wondering if it might be a situation where. You know Zeke might not get as many carries, but the idea is maybe that he'll get carry. He'll be uh, he'll have more stamina going into the fourth quarter and be able to have more productive carries. And that's kind of what happened yesterday. He I think he was under 20 carries, which for Zeke is a pretty low number. I think it was like 15 or 16 carries, but those he ended up with 95 yards, and he was gashing the Eagles when he was getting the football. So I think that there's potential that there could be some good synergy between Pollard and Zeke that doesn't affect his fantasy score as much as you would normally think it would. Okay, absolutely. For the Long Island Beast, a little bit of a disappointing week from Pat Mahomes this week. Um, started slow, did end up with 25 fantasy points. But um, considering where he was drafted and what the Long Island Beasts were hoping for, uh, the poor game this week for Pat Mahomes could have really made the difference in, in just a one-point spread. Um, tough, tough, tough time to have a, a bad week from Pat Mahomes to the Long Island Beasts. Yeah. I think um, going forward, though, it's a good uh, – it might be a good message if your quarterback's facing the Chargers because that's back-to-back weeks. I think Dak had five points against the Chargers – last week and now pat mahomes is having a having a tough game so if you if you have to pick which quarterbacks to start you might want to be mindful of that chargers defense absolutely might want to shy away a little bit from the from the chargers defense and we're going to close it out here the long island beast deandre swift is in the top five as a running back so far this season however he did split snaps with jamal williams this week 50 50 it seems those two are splitting the snaps about 50-50, so I have a hard time believing DeAndre Swift can keep up this kind of volume, but Jamal Williams has also been very productive, and they both seem to be startable assets every single week. Agreed. I think, though, you know, that's a concerning thing with the Long Island uh, Beasts is when you talk about, you know, both running backs are now in a situation that we're talking about where they're splitting carries, and while this week 
<clears throat> both came out and combined produced about 50 points going forward. Could that create an issue? Uh, I think that that's going to be a big story to how their season goes. Absolutely. Well, there you have it. That was our week three review. Uh, Tony Romo Arigato, Mr. Roboto, an absolute pleasure getting you on the podcast here and listening to your expertise. I love how prepared you were for this. Um, it sounded great. Um, any final words you want to give to the league here before we uh, wrap it up? It's it's a great league. As we as we talked about in the beginning, it's it's a league that has had twenty to thirty trades in the first three weeks of the season when you hardly even know what the heck's going to happen the rest of the way, and we're still making twenty to thirty thirty uh, trades. So it's a great league, and it's a lot of fun. Amen, brother. Glad to have you. Um, appreciate it again for coming on, and we will uh, call you up for your expertise again in the future. Again, Tony Romo, Arigato, Mr. Roboto. It's been a pleasure, and we will talk again soon. Sounds good, man. I will talk right, to you soon. Bye. Welcome back to the podcast. Great breakdown there from Tony and Steph. Awesome to have Tony Romo, Arigato, Mr. Roboto on the what are we going to call it? The uh, the roster? Good to have the young man on the roster. Gave us some great insight. Now we are going to get into the weekly polls. For the AP's top 12 this week, we have number 12, the Oracle. Number 11, the Melonheads. Number 10, Austin, 316. Number 9, the Thick Dicks. Number eight, Forever Unclean. Number seven, Who's Justice Beaver? Number six, The Etlians. Number five, The Long Island Beasts. Number four, The DeLongles. Number three, Nick Top, Greg Bottom. Number two, The Devante's Inferno. And number one, yet again, is The Longest Yard. Now we, are, we have the Expert Consensus Power Rankings. Always a little bit different from the experts to the AP, you know, just like the coaches poll in college football to the AP poll in college football. It's never the same. So these are the expert consensus. Power rankings, number 12. It's still the Oracle. Number 11 is still the Melonheads. Number 10 is still Austin 316. Number 9 is the Etlians. Number 8 is Devontae's Inferno. Number seven is Who's Justice Beaver. Number six is The Thick Dicks. Number five, Forever Unclean. Number four, Nick Top, Greg Bottom. Number three is The Long Island Beasts. Number two is The DeLongles. And number one is The Longest Yard. Now for our weekly accolades. The best manager this week was Who's Justice Beaver, who used 92% of his possible points scored this week. The worst manager this week was Austin316, who played just 75% of his possible points, did have a player who did not play. Already heard my opinion on that. Our highest score of the week is the DeLongles, 197.44. We are going to hear from him in about five minutes. 
The lowest score on the week was the Oracle 59.12. That is actually thoroughly impressive. Congratulations, Oracle. That's awesome. The Overachiever Award of the Week goes to the DeLongles, who finished 15% higher than his projection. The Underachiever was the Oracle, who finished 48% points under his projection. The highest-scoring quarterback on the week, Josh Allen for the DeLongles, 45.22. The running back start of the week for Nick Top Greg Bottom was Najee Harris, 28.2. And the wide receiver start of the week for the Thick Dicks was Mike Williams, 33.2. The bench warmers of the week, I mean, the bench warmer at quarterback was Jameis Winston, 17.52. Didn't want to start him anyway, so we'll just move on from there. The running back bench warmer of the week was Anthony Madison, 23.1 points on the Oracle's bench. Madison by himself had almost half as many points as the Oracle put out this week. And the wide receiver, bench warmer of the week. Congratulations to the Beast Mode Beasts for your non-play of Emmanuel Sanders. Now, we are going to have a conversation real quick with our league's leading scorer this week, the DeLongles. Oh, welcome back to the podcast, young man. How are you doing? Hello, I'm doing great. How are you? First and foremost, can we just get a little bit of clarification? How do you pronounce your team's name? Oh, shit. What is my team name? <laughs> the That's not the answer I expected from you. Um, <laughs> maybe not surprisingly. Okay, go ahead. You, you said it. What was it? DeLong Dongles. It's the Dongles. DeLong Dongles. It's, it's probably one. Of, oh, DeLongles. There we go. That's what it is. DeLongles. So it is yeah. confirmed, ladies and gentlemen. This is the DeLongles on the podcast, the highest scoring team this week. 197.44 points to oh, defeat forever on <laughs> Yes, sir. 197.44. And a, a breakout game for James Robinson. Had to be disappointed with him through the first two weeks, but 24.4 yeah. points. Um, are you just staying the course with James Robinson going I forward? Think, I think so. Only because – who's my running back? I mean, um, Elijah Mitchell. I don't yeah, – I'm not – I don't want to, like, put him in yet until I know he's, like, actually playing. But I know the other running backs are hurt. So I'm not really sure what I'm doing about that. But he just – it was about Tommy Fried. So I'm just going to let him do it again. Just see Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I, have, I have a high projection for James Robinson for the rest of the season. Speaking yeah. of other running backs on your team, Saquon Barkley finally has a good game, finds the yeah. end zone. Um, what's your optimism? Your optimism level with Saquon Barkley for the rest of the season? Let's see. Well, I think it's what is it? It's his second year after after his ACL injury, right? This was last. That was last year. Last year ACL. All right. Well, yeah. We generally it take it's gonna take time after that injury. Like I know that, so like I'm I know he's gonna start doing better. It's just a matter of time, and hopefully he stays healthy. That's the other thing. But this is it's week three. Like it's still early, and he just he just popped off. Like I think he's gonna get back into his groove, and then we'll see old Saquon back. I, I agree with you, so. and it's certainly helping out your your <laughs> outlook for the 
rest of the season. Currently, you're number four in the AP poll and number two, according to expert consensus rankings. How does it feel to to be that high up in the league so far this season? It feels great because, you know, last season I was doing okay and then I just got fucked, like, repeatedly. So now... (laughs) Now it's uh, it feels great to be back where I thought I should have been if people didn't get hurt. But you know, <laughs> it's it's still early, so I don't really know what's actually gonna happen. Things things change very easily in fantasy, so we'll see how it is. I feel great though. Well, something that doesn't seem to be changing is Josh Allen just being handsome and good <laughs> at football. Forty five <laughs> points this week. That team loves to throw the ball. You gotta feel great about Josh Allen. Yeah, I I honestly picked him up because – who is it? Greg or Nick that had him last season, and he just he just always fried. So I was like, you know what? I'm getting him this season because I just – I'm pretty sure he was my first quarterback pick, I'm pretty sure. 100% your first-round yeah. pick, number two overall. Um, so he has definitely uh, showed up this week, a little disappointing through the first two weeks. But this is about what I've come to expect from Josh Allen. Super jelly that you have him on your team. And not me. Um, that's neither here nor there. Devontae Adams, he's 18 targets, 31.2 points. I mean, that could easily be the number one receiver and the number one quarterback right there on your team, and that's got to feel great. Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> okay, so here we go in week four. You are two and one, and you are taking on the thick dicks this week. You are a five-point <laughs> favorite. Is, uh, is there anything Nick. you'd like to say to the thick dicks heading into week four? Uh, Nick, I just you, – you already know what I'm going to say. It's one of us is getting fucked. It's going to be a great time. You know I'm here for it. That's, I'm not even going to talk shit. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay, all right. The this was the Delongles confirmed. That is how you pronounce this name. One hundred and ninety-seven point four four points this week. Our league's leading scorer. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, and we'll give you a shout the next time you do something like this. You're welcome, and thank you so much. All Love right, you. bye. See ya. All right, fantastic. Good to hear from the DeLongles. And now we are going to finish up the podcast with a special treat. I got my own flesh and blood, my brother, Trayvon Siggs, to join me on the podcast. And we're going to do some player advice questions, some keep, trade, cut, some buy or sell. We have buy low, sell high targets. We had a great conversation. We're going to kick it over there right now between, for a conversation between myself, Stefan Siggs, and my brother, Trayvon Siggs. Whoa, did it work? Yeah, that worked. I don't know what's going on with the internet, man. It's crazy. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the podcast. My own brother, this is Trayvon Siggs joining us on the podcast today. And what I want to do, I got some players here, and I'm sure some guys need advice. And I want to get an outsider's perspective so that we don't have the bias of having someone else in the league give player advice. So, what we're going to do here with Trayvon Siggs is we're going to start off with some keep, trade, cut, right? All right. 
Right. So we got three players here. You're going to tell us which one you would keep, which one you would trade, which one you would cut. Let's start out with some middling running backs. These guys were all drafted about the same range. We got Clyde Edwards, Elaire, James Robinson, and Miles Sanders. Who you keeping, who you trading, who you cutting? All right. So I'm going to keep James Robinson. Uh, you look at his last game, he had uh, 21 touches, six catches. Um, Hyde did not get the shares that he got the first two weeks. I think Urban Meyer realized that just because Carlos Hyde's from Ohio State doesn't mean he's still good. I think James Robinson's going to take over that workload. He catches out of the backfield, so game flow won't be that big of a deal. So I'm keeping James Robinson. I am trading Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, he's putting up good numbers. He has more shares than da than Darrell Williams. But I'd rather keep James Robinson. I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire still has great trade value at this point. And unfortunately, Miles Sanders is not looking good. That whole team is not looking good. You saw what Dallas did to them on Monday night. I don't think Dallas has good defense, and they just couldn't get anything going. Um, Kenneth Gainwell has as many receptions, and he has a touchdown. Miles Sanders does not. So I am going to cut Miles Sanders. And uh, the uh, schedule for the next three games is not looking good for the Eagles either. They got the Chiefs at the Panthers, then the Bucks. So the running game isn't going to be that effective for those three games. So that would be my keep trading cut for that one. So we're keeping James Robinson. We're trading Cod Edwards-Alaire, and we're cutting Miles Sanders. That is correct. Okay, so, I mean, after last week, uh, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire kind of scares me a lot. Because, I mean, when he was drafted, he was more or less considered an elite pass catcher. And what he's not really getting over the past season in three weeks is targets. And he may not, he may continue to not see targets with, you know, that team with, with Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill seeing just a boatload of targets all the time. It's really tough for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I, I would agree with that keep trade cut. James Robinson is going to continue to see an uptick in touches. I agree. Carlos Hyde is not the answer. It's clearly James Robinson. And I do believe Urban Meyer um, – Privied up to that, however, I'd still just think Urban Meyer is a bad football coach, a bad NFL coach, mind you. I'm sorry, but he is a good college coach. But as a professional football coach, he seems clueless. Um, but it's no no question James Robinson's got to see the football. Okay, moving on, we got Robert Woods, Brandon Ayuk, and Allen Robinson. Again, all guys who are drafted high-end um wide receiver one, low end our wide receiver two. Where do you see these guys for the rest of the year? So um, this one was a tough one for me. I'm actually going to keep Brandon Ayuk because I'm, it's not even the fact that I like him over Robert Woods. I just think Robert Woods has better trade value at this point. What scares me about Robert Woods is if you look at last game, Van Jefferson had just as many targets and receptions as Robert Woods. So he's kind of middling. Everyone's behind Cooper Cup on that one. Um, Brandon Ayuk, I mean, there's a lot of players on that team. They're going to throw the ball around. But I just didn't see the trade value in Brandon Ayuk as much as I do in Robert Woods. I think you can get more value. So if you're going to go trade-wise, 
I'm trading Robert Woods. I'm keeping Brandon Ayuk. Chicago is a mess right now. And unfortunately, Allen Robinson is their number one. But that game on Sunday was just horrendous. It was a terrible game. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing as an organization right now. And I do think Justin Fields is going to be a good quarterback at one point. I just don't think it's going to be soon. So I would cut Allen Robinson. I'd keep Brandon Ayuk, and I would trade Robert Woods while he's still hot. Okay, I I agree that Chicago is a mess. Matt Nagy needs to go. That's the only way Justin Fields is going to put up the numbers that you're looking for. I did, however, decide to keep Robert Woods and trade Brandon Ayuk. I think you're pretty much just looking at Brandon Ayuk as a name. Here's something I want to note about Brandon Ayuk. Obviously, the snap count rose from 47% to 54% to 80 Six last week finally had a decent game. Last season, he caught 60 balls on 90 targets for 748 and five touchdowns. He did have two rushing touchdowns, but he failed to reach 20 points in a single game in a half point PPR setting. And I honestly, I'm a little baffled at where he was drafted coming into this season. Um, it's really shocking me to um, to look at Brandon Ayuk and where he was last year and knowing Debo Samuel was coming back. Obviously, Debo Samuel has had a fantastic start to the season. I think you need to try and get rid of Brandon Ayuk right now before he has a few more weeks where he doesn't perform. And for Robert Woods, I mean, the guys on the field, 88% of snaps, I'm sorry, 81% of snaps. Um, he's got almost a 21% target share. He is wide receiver 29 on the season. I think people are going to look at Cooper Cup's performance so far this year, and it's going to make it harder to trade Robert Woods. I think you need to try and get Adam Brandon Ayuk now. You got trade Robert Woods, keep Brandon Ayuk, and we're both going to cut Allen Robinson. Yep, that's, yeah. Just what scares me about Robert Woods is Van Jefferson starting to get hot. And I, I think you can get more value for Woods now than you can Ayuk. And that's why I went with the trade Robert Woods. It's not even that I like Brandon Ayuk. I agree with you with Brandon Ayuk. It's just I think more value right now with the way the Rams are playing and how hot they are and throwing the ball around like that. I think you can get more for Robert Woods than you would Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, that is probably true. I think I'm just saying that um, I would try and use the Brandon Ayuk name and the draft capital and try and move them ASAP, whereas Robert Woods could really blow up for you pretty soon. But we'll see. One thing I want to note for Alan Robinson, obviously we said we're cutting him. He does have a 25% target share for the Bears, which is very high. His average depth of target is 6.67, and that is dreadful. Yes. <laughs> okay, next one up. We keep trade cut. Emmanuel Sanders, Tim Patrick, and KJ Osborne, a couple of secondary options in their prospective offenses. Both have had bit all three have had big weeks. Where are you sending these three? Man, those those Broncos. I don't, I don't even know what to say. See, my problem with the Broncos is they haven't played a team that's won a game yet. So it's really hard to sit here and say anything about the Broncos yet. 
Um, now they do have the Ravens next, so that should be a good game to actually watch. Emmanuel Sanders on the season has 11 catches on 20 targets, 194 yards, and two touchdowns. You take away that last game, and he only has six catches for 100 yards and no touchdowns. So I think coming off the big game, he has great trade value. Tim Patrick, last on the season, is 12, 13, 174, and two touchdowns. He actually is behind Cortland Sutton in, in targets and receptions. And I think he's a great number two up there. Um, the next three games for them is the Ravens at the Steelers and the Raiders, which means there's going to be a lot of points being scored in that. So I am going to keep him. K.J. Osborne stuck behind two other players, and you also got a tight end down there that Kirk Cousins loves to go to. So I would cut K.J. Osborne. Um, you take away his one touchdown that he had for 64 yards, and he's sitting there at, 13 receptions on 16 targets for 129 yards. So it's not that great, so I would cut him. So you traded Emmanuel Sanders, you kept Tim Patrick, and you cut K.J. Osborne. Did I, did I hear that correctly? That is correct, yes. That is also what I have. Um, something I want to note for Emmanuel Sanders, obviously he's coming off the big game. Um, something that I do like and I did consider him for the keep is that he playing for the Bills, um, they want to throw the ball. They're not privy on running it. Um, their running backs are lackluster. So they're going to throw the ball. And Emmanuel Sanders has actually seen five more snaps than Stefan Diggs on the season, which was increasingly shocking to me. And his average depth of target on – he has 20 targets through three games, which is a solid number. And his average depth of target is 17 yards. He is clearly the down the field threat for Josh Allen, who is handsome and good at football. And I love the Buffalo Bills. I would also like to point out with Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley – has 10 more targets than him and the same amount of yards. He does not have the touchdowns that Emmanuel Sanders has. But Cole Beasley is there as well. I, I mean, it's a stacked offense, and they're only going to get better because Josh Allen's starting to find his groove. You saw last week. But like I said, Emmanuel Sanders right now with that trade value, I can't pass that up because you know somebody's going to bite. Absolutely. I'd be looking to strike right now off of the big game last week. That was keep trade cut. Now we are going to continue with uh, my broski here. We are going to buy or sell. <clears throat> the first one currently, Calvin Ridley is outside the top 12 for wide receivers on the season. Do you buy or sell Calvin Ridley staying outside the top 12? wide receivers i am buying that he's outside the top 12 for the pure fact of matt ryan cannot seem to find him right now i mean he's at he's at he's ranked 35 on espn he has 20 catches off the of 29 targets 175 yards one touchdown he does have more receptions than anyone else has targets on that team but with that being said you look at matt ryan who is quite content handing the ball to Cordero Patterson. 
And I just don't think he has that in him to find Calvin Ridley like he did Julio Jones when he was younger. And with nobody else really on that team, unless Kyle Pitts steps up, you're going to have double coverage on him. They're going to spy him all game. I just don't see him cracking that top 12 this year. Yeah, it's tough with Matt Ryan. Um, he's, he's showing his age, that's for sure. I would love to see them use Kyle Pitts in more of a Julio Jones role. I do see them lining up, him up a bunch and that tight end. That's not really his skill set, and I would love to see them split him outside more and have more of that Julio Jones role and hopefully capitalize on the touchdown where Julio did not. That would help Calvin Ridley tenfold, but I agree with you. I'm selling, I am lying that he's going to finish out by the top 12. <clears throat> Next one. Currently, DeAndre Hopkins and Jamal Williams are both inside the top 12 for running backs on the season. They are both RB1s on the season for three weeks. I am asking you, by yourself, they both finish inside the top 24 on the season. You mean DeAndre Swift, right? What did I say? Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. Um, so, believe it or not, I am buying this. And if you look at last year, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb finished 10th and 11th last year in fantasy football. So – I'm looking at the numbers here. DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams basically are the same player. I mean, you're looking at 28 carries, 123 yards, one touchdown. Williams is 28, 121, and two. Receiving 19, 23, 161, six, and a touchdown for Swift. Williams is at 13 catches for off of 14 targets and 93 yards. They switch these guys constantly, and – with uh, with Jared Goff down there, who loves to throw short passes and lets the wide receivers do their thing, I think they both have the ability to sit there and even with game flow, even if they're down, they'll still be catching out of the backfield. I actually like them both in the top 24. I think that's possible as long as they stay healthy. I don't see why not. Yeah, I agree. Um, currently, DeAndre Swift has a 57% um, he's seeing 50% of the snaps, where Jamal Williams is seeing 43% of the snaps. DeAndre Swift is number two in targets for the running back, only behind Najee Harris, who capitalized on a 19-target performance last week. Um, DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams are both seeing a lot of targets, like you saw. Um, I'm a little gun-shy on the fact that they're not getting much in terms of the rushing work. Um DeAndre Swift is at 33 carries on the season. I would love to see him get a little bit more yardage on the ground and see those targets because he is a very good pass catcher and that's where he makes his bread. I'm going to smash buying that they're both top 24 on the season. Okay, last one. This this is a very interesting one. I love this. Many times Daniel Jones is currently a QB1 on the season. Do you buy Daniel Jones finishing inside the top 12? Man, I am buying it for the pure fact of he is the only one doing anything down there. I mean, you look at Saquon Barkley. I don't know what's going on with him. Nobody really knows. He has more. He has the most rushing yards on that team. 
they're going to be down a lot, so he's going to have to make plays by himself. I I think just for the pure fact that it's a bad football team and he's going to have to make sure he does it on his own, that he finishes in that QB1 position. I think I'm buying in the top 12. He is currently doing a lot of his damage on the ground. Um, that's definitely where his his current QB1 ranking is coming from. However, I do project a huge uptick in production. Saquon Barkley, he had a good week this week, and I think he's going to see more carries, more touches, and he's going to take some of the pressure off of Daniel Jones. I am going to sell Daniel Jones as a top 12 quarterback this year. I think he finishes around 15 or 16, um, depending on whether or not his wide receivers can stay healthy, because right now they are increasingly thin at wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, they do have receivers. It's just they you're right. They gotta get healthy. I mean, Kadarius Tony, we're waiting to see what he does. Sterling Shepard, I think, just went out. Um, so yeah, he's gonna have to start making plays on his own. And that's the reason why I believe so. Because I don't until Saquon proves that he's back and he's healthy, I think Daniel Jones is the only guy on that team that can make something happen. Okay, awesome. So that was buy or sell, and now we have one more segment. We're gonna buy, we're gonna sell high. We should each have three targets here. So hit me with your first buy low target. My first buy low target is gonna be Jonathan Taylor, and the only reason I'm saying that is because their next three games is the Texans, Dolphins, and Ravens. I do believe the Texans and Dolphins will be a close game in game flow will sit there and tell me Jonathan Taylor is going to get more touches than Naheem Hines. Um, they're also looking to trade Marlon Mack, so he won't be a factor anymore. So I think Jonathan Taylor will be a great low-buy option. Probably get him for cheap. And if it doesn't work out, so be it. But with those next three games coming up, I'm going to go with Jonathan Taylor as my first buy low. That is a great pick. Somebody I considered putting on this list. Good thing I didn't so that we can keep up uh, staying a little different. So you are buying low on Jonathan Taylor. My first buy low target, and hear me out here, it's Tyreek Hill. <clears throat> Through the first three weeks of the season, he had the big week one, 197, caught 11 balls on 15 targets, had the long touchdown. Since then, in week two, he went for 14 yards, catching three of four targets. And then this, and then last week in week three, he only went for 56 yards, catching five of seven targets. As a Tyreek Hill owner who, who probably spent up on Tyreek Hill, that's got to be very frustrating and not what you want. It's understood what draft Tyreek Hill that he is a boom or bust player um, but after the way he performed in the last two weeks I think now is the time to try and buy low on Tyreek Hill. I would move somebody like Warren and see if I could pitch him to the Tyreek Hill owner and try and secure that a guy who can win you weeks he absolutely can disappoint his boomer bust but he can win you weeks and that's what you're looking for at wide receiver so I would try and buy one right now on Tyreek Hill and capitalize on the back-to-back poor week. Um, Trayvon Stiggs, who is your next buy-low target? 
My next buy low target is going to be Jalen Waddle. And I'm going to, the reason he's low is because Tua's out. And with Tua out, Jacoby Brissett is a good quarterback, not a great quarterback. Can't get the ball down the field. Jalen Waddle, once Tua comes back, will be his favorite target. And their next three games is Buffalo, Jacksonville, and Atlanta. And I think you can get him cheap as well. And then when Tua comes back, if you have a chance to stash a guy like that, he's a main focal point of the offense, and I would go with that. That would be my next buy low. Absolutely. He looks great. Um, I think he saw 14 targets this week, if memory serves me correctly. Um, I just want to let you know that your first two buy lows are on my team, which is pretty interesting. <laughs> um, do you think, out of curiosity, and there's been some talk about this, are the Dolphins a better offense to Kobe Brissett over Tua? No. No, I do not believe that. I believe Tua is a playmaker. I believe Tua, when healthy, and he's given he's given a chance to be what Tua is. Jacoby Brissett is a good game manager. He always has been. Jacoby Brissett will not lose you football games. I don't think Jacoby Brissett can win you football games. And okay, yeah. I, I, guess, I, guess, I see football. where you're coming from there. Um, yeah. Uh. Okay, fair enough. So my next buy low target is Antonio Gibson. I've talked about a whole lot on this podcast. Um, I I've got to say I'm very disappointed in the amount of work Antonio Gibson is seeing. He is so talented. You saw what he did when he what, just this past week he took a, a screen pass seventy three yards to the end zone. He is so talented. He was a wide receiver in college who isn't targets in the NFL. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But I believe that he is, he is you know, not the best player. Terry McLaurin is the best player in Washington. But I think he is the X factor for the Washington offense. And they, they really need to lean on him more than they have so far this season. He's averaging like eight yards a touch. He's he's been fantastic when he gets the ball. He's just not seeing the, the workload that you would expect. I think that um, the talent will win out here and he will start to see more more of a workload forward um so i would try and buy low right now on Antonio gibson for the same reason try and capitalize on the slow start because the talent is there and i think it's going to win out in the end and i project him to finish as an rb1 all right your last buy low target my last buy low target i'm gonna go with a terrible team and I'm going to go with the Jets. I'm going to go with Corey Davis. Um, and I, I'm just doing this on a gut feeling. And Corey Davis is their number one. Um, he has the most targets on that team. I think they're going to be down a lot of points, and I think they're going to throw the ball up, whether that's good or bad. Zach Wilson's going to have to learn on the fly. And I somebody's got to catch the ball there. And that's why I'm going with them. Their next two – I have two games before the bye week. It's Tennessee and Atlanta. So there will be points scored on that. Those are bad defenses. And you could probably get Corey Davis pretty cheap right now because the Jets are that bad. So <laughs> I'm going with Corey Davis um, by low just for his target share in two high-scoring games coming up. 
Okay, fair enough. Um, in in my league's settings, um, Zach Wilson was worth a negative value for the last few weeks. Uh, I can totally understand what you're saying. Corey Davis is clearly the number one option for the Jets. So, yeah, go ahead and try and buy low right now on Corey Davis and hope he starts playing better. Um, my last buy low target is Miles um, the man is out there 5.2 yards. Just this past week, he saw just two carries, which has got to be very frustrating for Miles Sanders' owners. Do you know that he took those two carries for 27 yards? Yeah, That's incredible. I, I looked at that. What the hell actually happened in this game that Miles Sanders only got two carries? I know that they did fall behind, but the game script wasn't that terrible for the majority of the game. I think the Eagles need to rely on Miles Sanders, and if they want to start winning more ball games, they're going to have to give the man the football. It's only going to help Jalen Hurts, who clearly likes to push the ball down the field, sometimes to a fault. That's where he makes his mistakes. And handing the ball off to Miles Sanders to set up your play action is going to help, and I think the Eagles need to do that. I would start by and uh, again, the Eagles need to give them in the ball. Absolutely. Okay, those were our buy lows. We're buying low on Jalen Waddle and Corey Davis. I'm buying low on Terry Quill, Antonio Gibson, and Miles Sanders. Now we're going to finish it off with a little sell high. Who is the first sell high? My Target. first little high is going to be Brandon Cooks out of Houston. Um, I don't trust Davis Mills. He did all right, but all right's not going to be good enough. Brandon Cooks has 32 targets, 23 receptions. The closest guy to him has six targets on the season. That's it. Brandon Cooks is the clear-cut number one down there. Unfortunately, Davis Mills, I don't think – has what it takes to be a quarterback yet. And I just, I don't like it. You could probably get good trade value for Brandon Cooks right now, just from what I said. And I think in the long run, you'll be better off. Their next three games, Buffalo, New England, and the Colts. So if there was a time to trade them, it'd be right now before those three teams show up. Um, he was on my sell high list as well. Um, for all the reasons you mentioned, um, the one th- reason that I would be willing to sell Brandon Cooks right now is that I do not project him to find the end zone very often. He did go 132 yards, 78 yards, and 112 yards in the first three weeks. Uh, but I, I don't see him finding the end zone. Houston is bad. He does have injury history. I would try and I would try and sell high on him. I have written down that if I could trade Brandon Cooks for uh, Robert Woods right now, I would do that. In a heartbeat. Absolutely. Okay, who's a high target since we had the same on Brandon Cooks? Ah, sorry. <laughs> so. My next, my next sell high is going to be Henry Ruggs, boomer bus player, the epitome of a boomer bus player. Uh, the Raiders are hot right now. Derek Carr's man. I think he has more yards in three games than his brother did his whole career. Um, 
But with that boomer bust guy, Hunter Renfro had more targets than Henry Ruggs did last game. So I'm looking at a guy who can get downfield, does it well, but I don't see him prolonging this and being the top guy in Oakland three weeks from now. So Henry Ruggs would be my next sell high. That is a fair assessment. There are a lot of mouths, a lot of very similar mouths read in Las Vegas right now. Um, Derek Carr does look fantastic. You mentioned his brother. Is this the year that his brother's prediction finally comes true? Is Derek Carr in line for an MVP award this year? You want to know what? For the past couple of years, John Gruden wanted to pound the football, pound the football. Josh Jacobs got hurt, and he said, you want to know what, Derek, sling it. And Derek Carr is starting to see – you're starting to see what Derek Carr can be when he's allowed to sling the football. And you're seeing a much wiser Derek Carr. He's not taking as many chances downfield. And I do believe that he looks good for an MVP candidate right now. Yes. He looks good. He looks damn good. I mean, the guy had 400 yards rushing, and some dumpster fire named Peyton Barber had 113 yards rushing. I don't, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my next sell-high target is Adam Thielen. Um, obviously, a wide receiver who is getting up there in age. He had 14 touchdowns last year. He's already got four through three weeks this season. He is averaging just 8.6 yards per catch. He seems to be very touchdown dependent. If you're not getting touchdowns from Adam Thielen, you're probably disappointed based off of where you presumably drafted Adam Thielen. Um, I have written down here that I would try to trade him and see if I can get uh, Jamar Chase, Steve Samuel, Julio Jones, in that range and try and move on from Adam Thielen. Yeah, um, that's not a bad one. Also, Justin Jefferson found his stride in week three, and you started to see the uh, chemistry between him and Kirk Cousins come back. So, yeah, Adam Thielen, five touchdowns already, man. That's that's ridiculous. But you're right. He If he doesn't get those touchdowns, it's very mediocre at best. So, yeah, I agree with that one. Okay, who is your last sell-high target? My last sell-high target. And I don't even know if it's a sell high, but Teddy Bridgewater from the Denver Broncos. I do not, out of all the 3-0 and teams, I do not like the Denver Broncos. For the reasons I mentioned before, they haven't played a team that has won a game yet. Um, their schedule gets a lot tougher. Hold on, let me bring it up here real quick. So their schedule coming up is the Ravens, Steelers, and Raiders. Um they're going to be shootout games, and I think we're going to see Teddy Bridgewater start to come back to earth a little bit. So he, I don't even think he had a good game last week. But that would be my last sell high because a 3-0 and team and a quarterback, you'll probably get some decent trade value off of that before the Denver Broncos become the Denver Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, a- amen to that. Um, I love that you included a quarterback. I didn't include any quarterbacks in any of my things here today. So I do love that you included a quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater is a very accurate quarterback, doesn't make a lot of mistakes, doesn't throw too many interceptions. And who knows, maybe somebody does buy Teddy Bridgewater as a, as a quarterback. One, I know um, a lot of leagues these days are two quarterback leagues. Um, I know most of my leagues are two quarterback leagues. And that is a name that's being tossed around right now as somebody people are trying to either acquire or move on from. So fair assessment on Teddy Bridgewater. My last sell-high target is Emmanuel Sanders, we already talked about. Coming off the big week three, the target share, the snap count, um, the average depth of target, all these things that, you know, may make you salivate as an Emmanuel Sanders owner. But realistically, he's a 34-year-old wide receiver, probably on the back half of his career. He does play in a pass-happy offense, no doubt about it. He seems to be the deep threat, as we already mentioned but I do not see this continuing for the length of the season. Um, like I said, he had five more snaps on the season than Stefan Diggs. I do not foresee um, the snap continuing to, to um, uh, show like that, if you will. Um, I have written down that I would try and move a Sanders. If I could get somebody like Marvin Jones, I would be happy to do it. Absolutely. Okay, so you sold high on Brandon Cooks, Henry Ruggs, and Eddie B. Teddy Water. I'm selling high on Cooks, Thielen, Manuel Sanders. That was a uh, pretty good. I love how prepared you were. I, I like to let people know that uh, when they impressed me, and you were absolutely prepared for this today. So, Trayvon Six, my brother, my flesh and blood, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and uh, doing some player advice with me. It was an absolute pleasure. Pleasure is all mine, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. All right, man. Yeah, let's do it again. Absolutely. All right, brother. Bye. Take it easy. My, oh, my, what a week three it was. A fantastic episode of the podcast. Thank you to Tony Romo, Rigato, Mr. Roboto. That's getting increasingly hard to say. Thank you to the DeLongles for answering my call. And thank you very much to Trayvon Siggs, my brother, for coming on and doing some player advice. Looking forward to having him on again. It was a lot of fun. Always good to talk football, especially with your brother. This was the Week 3 Review Show. My name is Stefan Siggs. This was the K-O-L-L. And I am signing off. Goodbye.